Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Like Ben said, my name is Cece. I am the high school ministry director here at Watermark OC, um, and this is my first time talking to you guys as a congregation, so I'm so excited um, to be here with you today, and um, I'm going to talk about high school ministry for just a second because I get to highlight my ministry today, Um, and so we've been going through a lot of things since I got here in May. I've been talking to these students about God. Um, as I should be, that's my job, and we've been talking about how to have spiritual habits that bring us closer in relationship to God. We've been talking about how to keep our relationships with our peers, our friends, our family, our teachers, dating relationships, how to keep those centered on God. We've been talking about all these different topics, um, trying to keep God at the center of our lives, but today I want to go to the source of that and every topic that we cover in church, the reason why we can keep God at the center of our lives and our relationships is because of something God has done for us, and that's because he's chosen us. And so um, here really is the foundation of our entire faith. It started yesterday with the birth of Christ, but really... It started before time was created. It started before the creation of the earth. It started when God said, I choose you. So today we're going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. If you want to follow along, I'll read it to you. It says this. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son, his beloved He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, and he forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, we are united with Christ, and because of that, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Wow. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Paul, um, the author of this passage. He's writing to this church at Ephesus, and the church at Ephesus is a little chaotic. Um, They were one of the centers in the old world for pagan idol worship. They had a temple to a Greek god, you know. um, That was their whole culture, the pantheon, uh, the craziness of Greek culture. And so Paul is writing this letter to this new church, the the church of Ephesus, the Ephesians, um, and he kind of starts off with a bang, 
Because these people need to be snapped out of that reality that they're in, and they need to be brought into this message of what God has done for them, which is so completely different from anything they've ever heard in their culture. Sound familiar? We're kind of right there, too. Um, And so, um, to me, this is one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. I think it's a really unique way of telling us of the hope that we have in Christ, a unique way of phrasing the gospel, showing us um, all the goodness that God has for us. So let's break it down. Um, I'll read verses 3 and 4 again. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. We are holy and without fault in his eyes because he chose us and loved us at the creation of the world, before the creation of the world. So, here's the thing about being chosen and loved before the world is even made, before you and I were made, before our parents were made, before Adam and Eve were made. We didn't do anything. We didn't earn it. We didn't um, cause it in any like possible way. We could not have done anything because we didn't exist yet, but God chose us. Before the creation of the world, God knew every single thing that would happen. He knew every single one of you and your names and your stories, the number of hairs on your head. And even so, before he ever created anything to set it up so that we could be here, he said, I want you specifically. I want a relationship with you. I love you. Every single one of us in this room, every single person watching this online, he says that to all of us individually. And so God chose us and loved us at the beginning of creation. This is the picture of grace. This is grace that we cannot comprehend. For the life of me, I cannot comprehend this. Um, So there's the beautiful side of this that we emphasize a lot in church. Um, He called us holy and blameless without fault in his eyes. So what happens here is we know that there's nothing we can do that's going to cause us to lose this love. Like I said, um, God knew everything that would happen before the creation of the world and chose us, meaning he knew Genesis 3 would happen when people chose to walk away from him. He knew every time we would choose to walk away from him, which is, you know, every day. We all sin every single day. We all choose to walk away from God's love every single day. Um, So God knew this kind of betrayal that we would have and decided to call us holy and without fault in his eyes anyways. Um, Even before we had the chance to walk away, he knew it would happen, and he still said, but I want you, and I choose you anyways. So that's the picture of grace that a lot of us are probably familiar um, having heard in church. No matter what you've done, no matter what you could do, God's already chosen you. He already knew it, and he made the informed choice. It's not like he was blindsided. He made the informed choice to choose you. Here's the other side of the coin, um, which is a piece of grace that I really, really, really did not know I needed until I dove into this passage. Um, How many of us in the room are perfectionists or kind of like hard worker types, type A? Yeah, so be honest. Um, That's me. I try to earn every single thing. I'm also insanely competitive. I blame having two brothers growing up. Um, It will really make you want to earn and achieve every single thing in your life, right? Um, So I grew up trying to be better than everyone. 
I was the person in sports who would always try to make all-stars. I was the person in choir who would always try to get the solo. In school, throughout my entire life, I would compete with my fellow students um, trying to be the top of the class. I remember even in like second grade, there were three students, um, myself included, who would race on the times table multiplication tests. And I would try to beat them because I wanted to be better at math than them. Um, which is hilarious. Imagine a seven-year-old being like, I'm going to beat you at math right now. That was me. Um, so if you can imagine, my entire life has kind of looked like trying to earn my way into things. And I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty good at it. There's times when I'm not, and I definitely fall and fail. Um, but what happens to us when we're the type of people who try to earn everything, and we come into God's presence and we think we still have to do that. I try to earn my way into God's love, but here's the, the grace from this passage, is that I can't earn it, and that frees me. This freedom from not having to earn the grace of God comes from the fact that he chose us before we could earn him. Um, he knew how much I would try. He knew how much I would feel the pressure to be perfect, to earn my way into his love. And he said, you don't need that. I've already said I love you. You don't need to retroactively earn it after I've said I love you. You're not going to lose it. You cannot earn and you cannot unearn my love. It's declared for you before the foundation of the world. You cannot earn or unearn my love. It is declared for you before the foundation of the world. You have it and it's yours. And so that's the beauty of this grace, that we are chosen before the creation of the world, holy and without fault in his eyes, he loves us. So that's the first kind of um, picture of grace that we get in Ephesians. And oh my goodness, that was just the two verses at the beginning of this, there's more. So here we go. Um, verse 5 is then my favorite in this passage. I don't, maybe one of my favorite in the whole Bible, um, but specifically of this passage, it says this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Wow. Um, so... I don't know a whole lot about adoption. I happen to not have kids as a 22-year-old. But here's something I can imagine. And I invite you to imagine this scenario with me. Imagine we're all teenagers. Easy for me because I work with them, so I know what it's like. But you can imagine. So we're all teenagers. And imagine we're in the foster care system in the United States. And one of the things about the foster care system sadly and tragically, is that the older you get in the foster care system, um, the less likely it is that you'll be adopted. And so you can imagine, if we're teenagers in the foster care system, we've seen some things, been through some things, and have some assumptions about ourselves that the world has placed on us. Um, and there's a lot of pain and hurt there. So imagine that, and then imagine there's this family who comes in and adopts us. Oh my God, first of all, the excitement and the joy that must be there. But for me, as an anxious person, <laughs> the amount of fear that I would feel, um, the uncertainty and the anxiety that I can imagine I would feel is off the charts. Um, 
So, so we're imagining that we're this foster care teenager who has now been adopted into a family, skip forward to that first night living under that new family's roof. Um, I know where my mind would probably go. I think I'd be lying awake in bed wondering how the heck I'm supposed to fit into this new family dynamic. Uh, I think I would probably be questioning what do I have to do to earn my spot? What do I have to do to prove that I can be a part of this family? What if I'm not the sister or the daughter that they imagined that they wanted, and so I have to change myself in order to fit this mold? What if I need to spend a few more Christmases with them and fit into this family dynamic and know the family traditions in order to be officially a part of the family? What do I have to do for this to be, like, real and not just something that happened? Um, if I was this teenager now adopted, I think I would have a lot of trouble um, actually feeling like a part of this family. But um, I do know a family who's in the process of adopting a child right now. I haven't um, seen them in a while, but I grew up with their daughters. And this family, um, their daughters have all moved out now. They're adults now. And they want to adopt a child, and they're going to. And they have this son that they're adopting. And I remember the mom talking about her son, asking for prayer because the process is a little bit crazy. Um, but she's never met this son, but he's her son. She hasn't signed the papers to make it official yet. Um, he hasn't lived under their roof yet, but he is their son. She loves him like a mother loves her child. Um, the father loves him like a father loves his son. That relationship for them is already complete. It's official without the documents. It's official in their hearts. That kid is their son. And so this passage, we are adopted through Jesus Christ. It's official in God's heart already. I picture us like this uh, disgruntled teenage child because I know for so many of us, when we are adopted by God, we have a hard time understanding what that means, myself included. Um, we might still try to earn our way into the family of God. We might still be confused about whether or not we need to maintain God's love for us. You know, if I break too many rules, am I going to be cast out? Um, but our Heavenly Father loves us perfectly, and when he says we're adopted, he means we are his children. We are his children, and we are loved perfectly as his children. The other thing is that this comes through Jesus Christ, his Son. And so the Trinity is something very confusing to talk about, and I have a hard time explaining it. But So we have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it's God, one person, three in one, um, and the essence of their relationship is perfect love and unity. So Jesus, the Son, has this perfect relationship with God the Father, and if our adoption is through Jesus the Son, who has a perfect relationship with his Father, what do we get but that perfect relationship with the Father so on the cross, um, there's a moment when Jesus says, it is finished, and the veil separating God and people in the holy tabernacle is torn. And in that instant, Jesus' holiness and righteousness is credited to us, it's transferred over to us. Um, and I think in that moment, not only is that transferred over to us, but so is Jesus' sonship. 
his perfect relationship with God in that moment is now transferred to us. It becomes our relationship with God too. And so even if we're still struggling in that relationship, even if we still don't quite understand it, even if we don't know how to do this family dynamic, that perfect relationship is declared ours in that moment. And it's yours. Um, And he wants that for you. So not only are we loved and chosen before the creation of the world, declared holy and faultless in his eyes, but now we have this perfect relationship with the Father, nothing that we did for it, nothing we could undo for it, but it's ours. It's It's been gifted to us. So we are adopted too through Jesus. And it says, because it was God's good pleasure, he was excited to do it. It's not a begrudging adoption. No, God loves us and he's excited about it. So moving forward, um, as if being chosen and adopted wasn't enough, God does more. He always does more. Um, It says, we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son, his beloved. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So back to the cross for a second. Um, Romans chapter 6, I think, is one of the best uh, chapters that talks about being freed from sin and given this new life in Christ. So Jesus the Son is our older brother type. And he grants us his relationship with God. He grants us this freedom from sin, and he teaches us how to live in it as our older brother example. Um, I have an older brother And as a little kid, I wanted to be just like him. He was the coolest person in the world for me. He's not watching this, so I can say that. Um, I wanted to be just like my older brother. He was super cool. Um, And so Jesus sets us free from our sins. And as our older brother, he teaches us how to live. And so we're granted this freedom from sin that we now get to live in this relationship with God. Everything that could have detracted from our relationship with God, everything that could have hindered us um, is now gone, and we get to live in the reality of this perfect relationship. It's one of those things um, that is kind of described as a now and not yet, like our adoption. So the reality right now, this is true. We are adopted, chosen, loved, forgiven. We are freed from our sins. Uh, The not quite yet is I happen to still be a sinner, And so I still struggle with the weight of that, and I still struggle with this perfect relationship, and I still don't know how to do it, Um, not quite yet. But now it is already true that God loves me and chose me, and I'm adopted, and I'm freed from my sins. So we can hold those two truths in tension as we understand this, that um, God has called us free. Along with our adoption, we are free. And then God does even more because he has more good gifts for us. So get ready for this one. This is exciting. Um, He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. So God has given us kindness, um, wisdom, and understanding, and he's revealed to us his mysterious plan. Um, Let me let you in on a secret. I still don't know everything. I'll admit it. I know. Uh, Really humble person. I don't know everything, and I know nothing of God's plan for my life. Uh, If you didn't know, I'm a senior in college right now, and next semester I graduate, 
and I have to figure out my whole entire life, and I'm a little bit stressed about it, trying to figure out everything post-grad. Um, so I don't know everything, but the Bible just said that God's shown me his mysterious plan and given me wisdom and insight. So what does that mean? Because I do not have all the head knowledge in the world. But um, the reason this comes after being told that we're chosen and loved and adopted is because this wisdom and insight is for our relationship with God. You can think of it as a tool for intimacy with God. He's equipped us so that we can grow in this relationship that we've been given, right? So we're not only freed from the things that would hinder, but we are given the things that will encourage and equip and help us to grow in this relationship with God. Um, The word of God, the Bible, has every single thing that we need to know so that we can have a relationship with God. We're given all the wisdom and insight that we need to understand God and how much he loves us, as much as we can comprehend, because it's more than we could ever comprehend. But we're given everything we need um, to understand the wisdom that we need to understand that he loves us. And we're told of this glorious plan that he has to bring us closer to him. So we are gifted as loved and chosen before the creation of the world, holy and faultless in his eyes. Then we're given the gift of adoption and a perfect relationship through the Son. And then we're told that we're free from our sins, so there's nothing that's going to take us away from God anymore. And then we're told we have the wisdom and insight to grow in that relationship with God. We... We're gifted a relationship and then given all the tools to understand it. Um, So I have a best friend. Her name is Elizabeth, and she's a funny gal. Um, And you can't really call someone your best friend if you don't know a lot about them, right? I wouldn't be able to call her my best friend if all I knew was, yeah, we went to high school together. Her favorite color is blue. She likes stationery and pens and notebooks, um, and she likes literature. Like, that's, that's not enough knowledge to call someone your best friend. Maybe not even enough to call them your friend. That's more of an acquaintance, right? Um, but through all this time I've spent with Elizabeth, sitting in coffee shops, walking through life together, um, I've gotten to know a lot about her life and who she is, and she's told me these things so that I can be her friend, so that our relationship can grow closer, right? That's why we let people in on our lives. And so this is what God has done for us. We're given the wisdom and understanding and insights so that we can know God deeper and grow closer to him. Um, and God already knows everything about us, so it's mutual, right? So now we get a glimpse of this father. We're let in on the family secret so we can know all about our new family. Um, I think, like, if I was that adopted teenager, right, I would probably want to know every single fact about my family, just so I know, like, who I'm with, uh, what I'm working with, you know? Um, We have that right here, the word of the Lord. It lets us in on every family secret. We know the history of the family, and we get to grow closer because of that. So we're given everything we need for relational closeness with God. And then God continues. (laughs) It wasn't enough. We're loved, chosen before the foundation of the world, declared blameless, faultless in his eyes. We're adopted. We get the glorious relationship he has with Jesus. Then we're freed from our sins. Then we're given the things to grow in that relationship. What now? What could possibly be added on top of this? Um, Verse 10 and 11 say this. And this is the plan. 
the mysterious plan that we've now been informed of. This is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and makes everything work out according to his plan. So the plan, uh, not only to adopt us into this family, but to unite everything under Christ. And like we said, Christ Jesus is God. He's perfect and filled with love. So if everything on heaven and earth is going to be united in Christ, that includes us, first of all. Exciting, I know. Um, But it means everything's going to be perfected. It means everything's going to be made whole again. It means that we're going to have all of the goodness that God wants for us. All of these things are going to be united in God. I don't know about you guys. um, I had a little bit of a hard holiday season this year, harder than usual. Um, We're in a chaotic time, a, a kind of dark time. I think it kind of fits with the Christmas story, but the holidays are hard. Most of my friends are in quarantine right now. So are some family. Um, My mom passed away like five years ago. So the holidays are always hard. If you're experiencing loss this Christmas, I'm right there with you and I'm so sorry. Um, But we have this further promise that everything's going to be united under Christ and it's going to be made right again. We have this future hope. We, we have the hope that's now a reality that we're adopted and loved by God. But we also have this future hope that everything else is also going to be made perfect and brought into relationship with God and it will be declared good. The way it was declared good in the garden. It's good. So we have this promise too. Um, like Ben said, uh, the whole church is about to go through a series on unity. Uh, unity as the church body, as the family of Christ, as if you will, adopted into the family of Christ. But first we need to understand the unity that Christ is going to bring to us and everything on earth. It's going to be good. That's really all we can say. It's going to be good. And we can count on that promise from him who loved us before the foundation of the earth. And it says, furthermore, as we are united in Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, an inheritance because we're his children. Um, that he makes everything work out according to his plan for those of us who love him. Um, And this is our call, our response to all of these good gifts he's given us, right? So chosen and loved, adopted, called blameless, set free from sin, all these things. Now what? Now what? We've received everything, right? We've been given the gifts of wisdom and understanding. All things are going to be united. Now what? We get to be vessels of mercy that participate in this plan. Um, When I was a kid, I would love to help my parents out with every single thing they ever tried to do. If you're a parent, you probably have experienced this. But when I was little, for example, I would want to cook with my mom. And it probably would have been a lot faster to just let her cook the meal and do it all herself. However, I insisted on cutting up every single vegetable. And as a small child, you can imagine exactly how long that would take and how painstaking that would be. But um, my mom would let me because of the joy it would give me to participate in this plan that she was enacting, this recipe plan. But God allows us to participate in this plan that he has for us because of the joy that's there for us as his children. 
It's like children helping out their, their father with something. We get to participate in his plan to unite all things under Christ. It's an incredible picture of grace. And so we're called vessels of mercy. In the Bible, there's only two spots that talk about um, works prepared beforehand for us to do. It's Ephesians 2 and Romans 9. Um, and in Romans 9, it's called vessels of mercy, meaning... All of these the good things that we've just been told, all these good things that we've just received, we now are vessels of, we get to hold it, and we get to share that mercy with everyone. God calls us to be a part of his plan by telling people of what he's done so that they can receive it, and then they can be vessels of mercy too and go tell more people. It's incredible. So Christmas was a beautiful time to tell people about that. A pastor I know um, likes to say that Christmas is when the distance between the secular world and the Christian world kind of wears thin, you know, everyone's aware of what's going on. Um, it's a great time to tell people about this plan that God has involved us in. Um, Easter's another good time, but I think this is something God wants us to do every day. In fact, I know it is, because it's one of Jesus's commands, go and make disciples. Um, we are all called to go and share this plan and be a vessel of mercy to someone. Um, I used to think you needed to be someone like official to do this. I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I'm terrible at evangelism. I'm insanely introverted, and so my greatest fear is walking up to someone and saying, hi, I'm Cece, how you doing? Have you heard about my good Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? It's a little scary for me. It might be for you too. <laughs> I say telling you all about Jesus right now. Um, it's a little different. But we have this call to share this good plan with other people too. And I think we can do that where we live, work, and play. Your first call is to be a vessel of mercy to your family, to your neighbors, the people you work with, to my classmates, to um, anyone you meet. Your first call is to share this love with them through word and deed, you know, by the way that we love people and also by the way that we talk to people and tell them about all these good things God has given to us. Because as much as it's for you, it's also for them. So we get to be these vessels of mercy. So that's the first call. The second call, some of you may be feeling a push from the Holy Spirit um, to participate in this plan a little bit more. And shameless plug, we need people to help out with high school ministry. Um, I can't launch into my whole testimony here, but the reason I'm talking to you today is because when I was in elementary school, junior high, and high school, I had older people walk alongside me and tell me about Jesus. And it wasn't just on a Sunday morning. It wasn't just once a month when I would see these adults in the congregation. Um, but there were people who walked alongside me for years at a time. I had this counselor named Angelia who um, was with me and my small group of girls who were my age. She stayed with us from like fifth grade all the way through senior year of high school. Week in and week out, she would tell us how much God loved us. Week in and week out, she would show up unpaid to show us how much God loved us and valued us. She would take time off of work to go to camps with us and stay with us and work through the really hard parts of our lives and walk through life with us and tell us how much God loves us. And I'm here to tell you, it worked. <laughs> I received the gospel from her. 
every single time I saw her. And so some of you might be feeling called to walk alongside someone and tell them about the grace that God has for them day in and day out in their lives. Um, That can look like joining high school ministry. I'd love to talk to you about that. That can look like working with our care ministries, which walks alongside people who are going through hard times. That can look like participating in our homeless care ministries, where we go and feed people. It can look like joining so many different ways that we care for people. It can look like partnering with our mission partners, Trellis and Legacy Makers and Foster the City. We have all these places that you could feel called to to be a vessel of mercy, that you could feel called to to share God's good plan with people. And so if you're feeling that call, um, I encourage you to talk to somebody on staff or really easy, you can just go online to watermarkoc.com, connect and um, chat with us about it. We would love to set you up with some ministry so that you can be a vessel of mercy to people. But again, you don't have to be official. You don't need a degree. I'm 22 years old and I'm a woman standing up here telling you about Jesus. You can do it. I promise you, you can. Um, Go and tell people. They need to know that he loved them before the foundation of the world. They need to know that they are chosen before they could ever earn it or unearn it. They need to know they've been adopted through his son, Jesus Christ. And so as the band comes up, there's one final thing. Um, We can hear a message like this of all the hope and the joy that God has for us, and it might still fall flat sometimes. I can't tell you the number of times that I have sat in a church and I've heard a beautiful message of how much God loves me. And I believe the words that the preacher spoke, and I believe the word of the Bible, and I believe in God, but it doesn't hit. The pastor I grew up under says, um, the longest distance in the world is from the head to the heart, meaning that we can know all these faith facts in our minds, but sometimes it just doesn't hit our heart. Not quite yet, at least. And so if you're there today, I feel you, um, and that's okay. But we're about to go into a time of communion. And communion means so much to me. I also don't have time to go into that. But here's something special. I think God knew that we have a problem, a disconnect between our head and our hearts. And so he gave us something tangible to hold on to as a reminder. It's going to help us move this message from our head to our hearts. Um, It's a tangible reminder of what Christ has done for us. This is Christ's body broken for you. This is Christ's blood shed for you. This is the Father's invitation to you, his child, for you to come and sit at his table and receive grace and mercy and peace. And so we're going to join together in worship, and the Lord um, is going to minister to you in that way. So there's communion up front, up in the back. Um, Take a moment, and I want you to know that this is for you. And I'll pray for us real quick. Lord, thank you so much that you've called us and chosen us. Thank you that we can't lose it and we didn't have to earn it. Lord, it's freely given. Lord, I just pray that we would feel your grace today, how much you love us, and we thank you so much that that's true. Help us to hold on to you today. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.